This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Let's ask for God's help. Our Lord and loving Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing on us today. We ask that you would speak to us of your great character, that you would leave the impress, the print of your character on us, that we would be like you, especially in kindness. And in Jesus' name we ask, Amen. Now what could be possibly controversial about kindness? Who wouldn't want to be kind or to be thought of as a kind person? And yet, if we think about it a little bit, we, you and I, our culture, we have a very ambiguous relationship with kindness. We sentimentalise it and feminise it, which means we like it, but we don't much respect it, sexist that we are. Kindness is too maternal to be serious and not tough enough to be realistic in a brutal world, a dog-eat-dog world where a dog always wins. Kindness is only for the few of us who are otherworldly saints, perhaps. Australians, well, we like to think of ourselves as ready to help, kind when in need, but, but then when it comes to our politics, we pursue a policy of deliberate cruelty as a deterrent to asylum seekers, a very popular policy, it seems. A psychoanalyst called Adam Phillips writes these words, we are a society, he's talking about Western society now, where kindness is incidentally praised while being implicitly discouraged. Kindness, that is the ability to bear with the vulnerability of others and therefore of oneself, has become a sign of weakness. So we both praise it and then despise it. I've heard it many times that only kindness matters. They, they were words from a, a 90s song, so my music tastes have advanced somewhat. Uh, by Does anyone know Only Kindness Matters? Was, who sang that? Jewel sang that. Remember her? Only kindness, in the end, she said, only kindness matters. It's something we might hear a, a lot. It's a sort of greeting card truth, isn't it? But we live in a world in which there's so much evident cruelty and which, in which life is very precious, but we are too afraid to let ourselves really be kind. At the same time, recent studies in psychology have found that, that practising acts of kindness is actually very good for you. It's actually pleasurable. Professor Martin Seligman, I've mentioned him before, the author of Authentic Happiness and Human Flourishing, recently lecturing on the North Shore of Sydney, I noticed, he recruited a group of university students to figure out whether philanthropy or fun gave them the biggest level of satisfaction. And how do you think that experiment turned out? Well, it was kindness that won hands down. This is not a new truth, though. The Roman philosopher, who was also an emperor, Marcus Aurelius, said a couple of thousand years ago, kindness is humanity's greatest delight. So kindness is good for us, but we are afraid of it. We walk past, we walk past opportunities to be kind because we fear what kindness will expose us to. We fear being seen as kind and therefore not tough, and yet we also know that to be kind is to be more human, to be more really what we are made to be in the first place. 
Now, kindness is one of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul mentions in Galatians chapter 5. We've been doing a series on the fruit of the Spirit. We looked at love. We've done peace, joy. I've got them out of order there. Love, joy, peace. Then last week, patience. And this week, kindness. And it's one of the things that go together with all the others to create this ideal of Christian character. We Christians are called to be more kind. And as with all the fruit, the way into thinking about how to be more kind is to see how it is, first of all, a quality that God himself shows us. God is kind. And the Bible frequently and surprisingly celebrates God's kindness. I say it's surprising because most gods are not kind. In fact, we've sort of got used to thinking of God and gods as powerful and distant and not mixing power with tenderness. The God of the Bible, of course, is almighty and holy, absolutely power, powerful and completely pure. He dwells in unapproachable light. He threw the stars into place. He set up the foundations of the earth. He is a byword for power, and yet he is kind. He is kind to his creation, to the things that he made. These are the words of Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he has made. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And these words help us to see what the Bible means by kindness. God is compassionate and merciful. He does not rise to anger, not quickly. And he is not an absent present, a parent. His justice is not at odds with his kindness. He knows that you and I are small and weak, and yet he treats us with great dignity and respect and tenderness. We can see God's kindness at work in the goodness of his creation, which reflects his tender-heartedness. And on a day like today, everywhere we look, we see the signs of God's kindness to us. And he makes us, you and I, with something of his kindness natural to us. We learn kindness early on, or we should, from the parental bond. In his relationship with Israel, God is incredibly kind over many centuries. He does not hold back from them, although the risk of his name being tarnished by their misbehavior is very great. It's not an accident that God is seen by Israel as having both paternal and maternal qualities, since when we think of kindness, we usually think of how parents are with children. When I talked about it with my Connect group, uh, who are getting a bit tired of me doing sermon preparation with them, I think. Um, but that's immediately what they said. This is what uh, parents are supposed to be with children. God in the Old Testament is the tender father, weeping over his lost children and yet yearning for them. Or he's like the mother hen who longs to gather up her chicks and protect them. In the book of Isaiah, God says, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And we see this divine kindness walking around 
in the human flesh of Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus is especially kind, if you think about it, to those who aren't usually shown kindness, to the poor and the outcast, to the tax collector and the prostitute, to the grieving and the demon-possessed, to the children and to the sick. He teaches us to go the extra mile, to give without expectation of return, to show kindness not for our advantage, but to all who need it. We are not to exploit the vulnerable or to judge severely, but to be like God in showing mercy, to have God's kindness and share it with others. One of Jesus' greatest stories, perhaps the greatest, of course, is a story of kindness. And that's the Good Samaritan, isn't it? The remarkable thing about the Good Samaritan, of course, is that he shows kindness to a man who is not his kind. The injured Jewish man in need should be his enemy, and yet he doesn't just leave him in his wounds in a mess to die, as his countrymen did. He shows kindness to the one not his kind. And in this story, we see something of God's own kindness towards us in Jesus. We see in the Good Samaritan an instance, an example of what God is like to us. We men and women have got ourselves into a dreadful tangle because of our sin. We are God's enemies. We are not by nature now related to him. And yet God does not treat us as we deserve, but with the greatest kindness. Jesus' death for us on the cross shows us just what God's expansive kindness is. God's mercy streams down upon us like the rains upon the earth to pinch an image from Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice. It droppeth as the gentle dew from heaven. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, talks of the immeasurable riches of God's grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God is so kind, he gives us not just things, not just benefits, but in Jesus Christ, he gives us himself when we most needed it and least deserved it. The story of Jesus' divine kindness should help us with the dilemma of kindness. Remember we have that problem with kindness that we sentimentalize it, we make it into sort of a greeting card virtue. We see it of the, as the opposite of the toughness we really prize. We tend to see it as a sort of domestic virtue. And so with our subconscious sexism, we think of kindness as a form of weakness. We think that toughness and even cruelty are necessary for us to keep everyone in line, to get where we need to go in life. It's not kindness, we say, that builds great buildings, that accomplishes great tasks. It is toughness. We might even tell us, or tell each other, you have to be cruel to be kind. But Jesus' kindness, there's nothing weak or impotent or sentimental about it. It's got an amazing strength to it. And it's not confined to one gender or given only to mothers. He's kind to the point of pain. And he's not kind to those who deserve it, but to those who need it. 
We've then received God's kindness in spades, his effective and tough kindness. How are you and I going to cultivate kindness as a fruit of the Spirit? How could you be more kind? I don't know if you've ever set that as a project for yourself, to be a more kind person. Well, what would it mean? Well, Paul gives us a sort of picture of what kindness is in Ephesians chapter 4, the verses we heard read for us by David a little bit earlier. He says there, Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice. That's what kindness is definitely not. And be kind to one another. And what does that mean? Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. You can tell what kindness is not. It's not malicious. It's not, there's nothing nasty about kindness or cruel about it. It does not enjoy the pain of others. It does not rejoice in the defeat and the tearing down of the next person. It's not quick to rage or self-righteous indignation. It is not kind to relish the drama of an argument or to pass on half-truths and even outright lies about another person. There is no kindness in that. Kindness is tender-hearted. Kindness takes the big view of the other person. It might be that there's someone who does you wrong or who annoys you. It's not kind to just simply overlook the, f- the fault or the wrong, but it is kind to see that person in the bigger perspective, to see the wholeness of that person. We don't need to deny that other people have faults, but it is kind not to condemn them for them. Kindness does not ever write anyone off. And so how should we be kind? Well, the first thing, the first step towards kindness is to remind yourself every day of God's kindness, the kindness of God you've received in Christ. What will motivate us, what will motivate you to be kind is the deep understanding that you have been treated with kindness. God is not stern or remote or unyielding or cruel. His kindness surrounds you in the created world that keeps and sustains and replenishes and delights you. His kindness to us is in the spring that we can just sense arising here. But his kindness in particular finds us where we need it most, in Jesus Christ. God, we discover in him, is a God of tender and loving care. And so the practice of turning to him every day in gratitude for his kindness is key. It's the key to learning kindness, to receiving and knowing that kindness so that you can put that kindness into practice. There's nothing sentimental or cheesy about God's kindness. It is profound. It is found in deep, deep wells. So know God's kindness and thank him for it. Turn to him in gratitude for his kindness. Secondly, remind yourself of the acts of kindness of people that you've experienced and the power that that's had in your life. Have you experienced kindness from people? Remember those moments and the the impact, those unforgettable moments of kindness. 
A famous cricket writer once, for no reason in particular, invited me to spend a day in the press box at the SCG during a test match. Oh, I will never forget it. My youth group leader used to take us to the movies on a Saturday afternoon sometimes and just spend time sharing his life with the boys in his group, just for kindness. I was deeply moved by the kindness of people who babysat our children when we were living overseas and weren't able to call on old friends or aunts and uncles or grandparents. These are just three examples that I could think of in ten minutes. Since I've been shown such kindness, why would I not practice kindness? So think of how God is kind and how you've been shown kindness and think of how people have been kind to you. And thirdly then, turn to other people in kindness. Practice not random acts of kindness, but deliberate acts of kindness. How do you treat people in your workplace or in your family? How do you treat your neighbours or those with whom you study? What is your response to those who are ethnically different from you or those who are in a different generation? Our society is doing everything it can to divide us into different kinds of people so that we only know each other, know ourselves according to little in-groups, generations, for instance. There are increasingly different generations and we're supposed to not understand each other at all and when you know we're isolated in these and we only hang out with people who are in our own generation or our own little tribe, our own people of our own political persuasion. And yet the Good Samaritan tells us or reminds us that God's kindness is not simply to our kind, but offered to those who are not of our kind. Are you known for your ruthlessness or for your compassion? You can convey an attitude of kindness in quite small things as well as large. Are you the person who buys that cup of coffee for the person who you think just might need it today? Do you take that moment to ask after someone's health or after their family? Do you actually notice them and take time to to behold them, take them in, see what they need? Are you strict with the rules in your workplace, pressing every advantage? Or do you allow grace to flow? Now, we at St. Mark's have the great advantage in that we've been given each other to practice our kindness on. We've also been given each other to practice our patience on and certainly our forgiveness on and our love and our joy as well. But we want to be a church where, as the Marines say, no one is left behind, where we genuinely care, where we are known for our kindness. We have numerous opportunities to show each other our kindness by providing meals for the sick, by visiting people in hospital, by being present with those who are grieving, by driving those who aren't mobile, by helping those with newborns, or by comforting the depressed and the distressed, by helping out those who are in financial difficulty. Just this week, uh, the parish council has purchased a freezer. You can check it out in our hall. It is empty at the moment. That freezer should be filled with kindness, with frozen meals, so we can practice kindness to one another. 
but there are many ways in which we might be kind. So how are you going to be kind this week? How are you going to show God's kindness to others? And I want you now to think of two things, two deliberate acts of kindness. Two things, perhaps two people, so that you can begin exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit in your life, the Spirit of the God who is kind, who shows the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness to us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.